Sends it back down low for Owen Tiffin. Puts it out in front. They score again. Frank Matrano from Owen Tiffin. And the Panthers are up 3-1. to one. Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I am your host, Brunswick. The show is Project Panthers. And what a week it's been in Panther territory. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts by searching Project Panthers. Reach out to us on Twitter at Proj Panthers. That's P-R-O-J Panthers. And you can find us on Instagram at Project Panthers Pod. Panthers record sits at 18-5-4 as of the time of this recording. Still good for second place in not just the NHL Central Division, but the entire NHL. So damn impressive. Since we last spoke, they've gone 5-1-1, one, and, one, and I gotta apologize for missing last week's show. I fell a little ill, not COVID-related, so no worries there. Uh, and I am fully recovered now, but uh, the timing just didn't line up for me for the show, so I thought, well, you know what? Why not do a double show? So, let's get to this. Game 21 versus Carolina. Uh, this feels like a long time ago, but uh, given like, what's happened with the Panthers over the last couple of weeks, but... Uh, this is an important game for them. They they didn't have Anthony Duclair in this one. He was injured on Saturday versus the Hurricanes. And Coach Q said he was going to be out for about a week. So Frankie V. Vitrano uh, steps into that place, into that top spot line with Verhage and Barkov. And uh, Owen Tippett got back into the lineup as well in this one after sitting on the bench for a little bit. Or on the, on the, uh, in the press box for a little bit. Uh, the team started slow in this one. They just weren't moving their feet. Carolina also started a bit slow, but right around the eight-minute mark, they started skating, and they started skating hard. Their pressure increased a lot, and it didn't seem like the Cats were up to the task. Uh, they got caught in their own zone after a giveaway from Gudas, and they uh, failed clearing attempt, which is something that I have stressed with this team a lot. They need to be a little bit stronger on their clearing attempts, and this time they paid for it. Both Gudas and Connaughton had a chance to get the puck out, and they could not get it out, and eventually the Canes drew a penalty from controlling the puck for close to a minute in the Panthers' zone. And, of course, on that ensuing power play, the Canes scored. They are second in the league in face-off win- winning percentage, and that's a huge advantage to have on a power play. Basically guarantees you're going to get the puck off the face-off and set your, uh, set your plays up almost immediately. That's a good advantage to have, and for a team as strong as Carolina, it's just another bullet in their chamber this was the fifth straight game where the Panthers gave up the first goal this is again something I've touched on repeatedly in my podcasts got to try and get ahead of things early on it's not a recipe for success to constantly be falling behind and having to to find ways to climb back into the game Cats got a power play didn't generate much but Wenberg put the pucks on uh, puts the puck in after the whistle the goal is called back Despite the puck obviously being loose, I think this was a very clear and obvious situation where the puck was was loose, but the the ref was standing on the opposite side and unfortunately did not see the puck free and blew the whistle. So this was another period shutout from scoring for the Panthers, and they were failing to generate any pressure and sustain anything consistently in Carolina's zone during this the first twenty minutes. And I, I was thinking in this game what could have what could be causing this this lack of pressure for this team and. 
sustainability in terms of of consistent effort from a, the full lineup over the last little while because it hasn't been this way all season. It's just been over the last chunk of games going into this one. And, you know, I was looking at the Panthers roster and in this one specifically, in this game specifically, five of the bottom six guys in the lineup weren't regular NHL NHL or NHL players like 70 days ago. That's less than three months. Less than three months that 80% of these guys were still playing either AHL or overseas hockey and not doing the everyday NHL grind. So it, it, the question becomes, are they set up for success with depth scoring? Or is it too much pressure on not enough proven talent and NHL skill? Time will tell. Uh, but the Panthers were just not sustaining any pressure. They had a 4-on-3 power play at one point, but they really did not make anything happen. Carolina's a very aggressive penalty-killing team, and they were all over the Cats. And Barkov and company were doing their best to move the puck around quickly, but a lot of overpassing, which is a a standard for this team when they struggle on the power play. Uh, they had a couple of decent shots, but again, couldn't couldn't really do much on the 4-on-3. And on a 4-on-3 where you have a lot more room to move, you're at, a, you're at an advantage when a team is as aggressive as Carolina is on the penalty kill because you have more space on the ice to work with. And unfortunately, they didn't capitalize on it. Yandel and Hubie were the two-point men in that, in that power play, and they felt like they were playing tag with the puck and hot potato and didn't want to didn't want to do anything with it it was it was it was tough to watch it was very frustrating to watch from a fan's point of view but I can only imagine how frustrating it was from a play, for a, a player's point of view uh, it was another scoreless period for the Panthers in the second so since the Dallas 3-1 game where they came back or when they held the lead on they've been shut out in 11 of their last 14 periods after the second period if you take out the empty netter against Dallas on Monday that solidified the 3-1 victory. It's 15 of their last 21 periods played dating back to Detroit, the Detroit 7-2 game where they haven't scored a goal. So, you know, that's a little under 75% of your periods over the last week, two weeks are goalless. Again, not, not a sustainable statistic for success. But they came out flying in the third. They were all over the ice. Uh, again, this team has this ability to do this Jekyll and Hyde move where one one minute they look like they are, are disinterested and it's the Panthers of old, and then the next minute they flip a switch and suddenly they're one of the best teams in the league and they're playing like they, they like their record looks. They held on to puck possession for... They, they honestly dominated puck possession in this third period, and Vitrano scores to tie it up. The Barkov line, the new Barkov line with Vitrano, they got it done. And they continued to press. They had 14 straight shots in the, 13, in the third period. They held Carolina shotless for more than 10 minutes. Mason Marchman made a great play behind the net to steal the puck. He got it in front to Lewis Starnan, and he banged away at the puck and pops the go-ahead goal. Cats took the lead with four minutes to go in a game where they honestly shouldn't have, didn't have any business being in it. That lead did not last long as former Panthers center Vincent Trocek, everyone's favorite name this season, he ties it up with barely a minute to go. Steam really struggles with the uh, six-on-five setup, and Trocek was wide open in front of the net for this shot. Easy slapper from, or easy clapper from the, uh, from the from the slot. Need to have better coverage in situations like that. This is this is a key game, and getting a regulation win against a 
divisional rival like Carolina, who is right there with the Panthers in the standings all season long so far. It's valuable. So this was a tough one to, to, to get. And the Canes won it quickly in OT. Cats had some pressure, and there was actually a moment uh, where Wenberg was set up right in front of the net. And if he had just turned his head to the left, he would have seen Reimer completely out of position and a giant gaping net staring him in the face. It was very visible from from the TV screen just watching at home. I took a snapshot of it. It was a big wide open cage that he just didn't look to... He didn't look at it and he didn't realize that he had a, an opportunity to end the game like that. And Canes came back not long after on an odd man rush. They score. It's over. This is a tough one. Despite only showing up for 20 minutes, it was a tough one. And my, one of my main takeaways on this one is that they need to show up for more than one period. It's not sustainable, and they will not stop. Start. They will stop winning games if they keep this up. You need more goals scored earlier on in the game to help dictate some of what some of the things that can happen later on in the game. It's you know, hockey's a very big ebb and flow game, and that needs to change. Marchman had another nice game, making a lot of plays in the in his own zone and doing a great job of separating the opposition from the puck. This, this was a third straight game with an assist on the scoreboard, so. He's starting to contribute offensively and does not look out of place in the NHL. This trade is looking pretty nice for the Panthers right now. And it was a tough night for the defense. Stromlin and Yandel had two of their worst games of the season. Lots of fighting the puck, getting caught out of position countless times. Gudis also had a tough game back. This was his first game back from injury. Looked like maybe he needed an extra game. You hope to see a sharper effort from his crew. It's just one of those games, though. Can't win them all, right? Next game for the Cats was in Nashville to kick off a five-game road trip, and I really wanted to see this team come out with some purpose in this one. They've been struggling to score the first goal, and they haven't scored the first goal in 15 of their last 21 games, and that's something that needs to change. And they did just that. They came out skating hard. They were all over the Predators to start. Verhege picks up a garbage goal in front of the net in the middle of a scramble near Rene's crease. Ekblad made a really smart play, finding a ton of free ice to get to the net and create the opportunity for Carter. Really nice start. They keep it coming, and less than three minutes later, Mason Marchment finally gets rewarded for all of his effort and scores his first career NHL goal. Love his style of game. He's all over the ice. He's visible, physical. He's also have deceptively nice hands. He makes this nice little forward pass. He did a couple of times in this game, and he's done since, um, where he's, he streaks in off the wing, and it's 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 a nice little lateral pass over that can deceive defensemen. It's a really impressive play that he does, and nice to see him get rewarded. And now points in four straight games for the kid. And they kept it going throughout the period. They did not let up. They, they. I think Coach Q had a similar message to what a lot of fans were thinking going into this one. So they, they did not let up. And Nashville had a couple of chances, but mostly from the outside, and Bob, Bob was ready for them all. 59 seconds into the second period, Patrick Hornquist makes a pass to Huberto from behind the net to make it 3-0. Team does a really good job of killing a five on three in the second period. Nashville didn't generate a ton of chances, but the few shots they had, Bob was there to make the save. He's really doing a good job of holding his rebounds in this one. Nashville gets one back off the point. Looks like Forsling was in Bob's way, so not much he could do on that one. And Ekblad comes back not long after and restores the lead for the Panthers, restores the bigger gap for the Panthers. Looked like Hornquist was going to have it, but he didn't actually touch the puck, which is weird on the shot. So 
Nashville uh, didn't challenge this one. They were down 4-1, and I thought that was some, there was something to that. I was very surprised that they didn't challenge this one because there was a bit of debate. There was room there to challenge this goal, and if if Nashville challenges the goal and the Panthers don't score, they're down 3-1 then going into the second into the third period, but instead of being instead they were down 4-1 and that three-goal deficit is it's a lot more to overcome than a two-goal deficit. You get one goal and you're almost you're right back in it. Just another shot and you tied the game, right? But uh, they got the goal late, anyways. So who am I to say anything about challenging? Because they scored late in the second to cut the lead to four-two, anyways. Uh, Forsberg scored it. They missed assignments all around the defensive zone. Guys were loaded onto one side. Weger uh, overcompensated a bit to cover Yossi, and Bob was vulnerable to the screen and the deflection goal on the side. So. Not the way you want to end the period after dominating so much for 40 minutes. And the Preds pressed early. They found some confidence after this, and they scored on a major misplay by the defense. But thankfully, the Panthers got some intel from someone watching up high. So they challenged the play. And the play was offside by a few feet. So really, really good job by the coaching staff. Got to give them props for being in the game and, and making that call. And... uh Cats kept going. Ekblad scored his eighth of the season, and at this point, he was leading all defensemen, all NHL defensemen in goals. Uh, Sisson scored with less, less than eight minutes to go, and suddenly it's again a two-goal game. Preds started pressing, and the ice seemed to tilt towards the Panthers' zone. They pulled their goalie, and Johansson gets them within one with one thirteen left. Felt a lot like it was going to be that Panthers game from earlier in the season at home when Nashville came back and tied it. A lot of, a lot of. PTSD coming into effect for us Panthers fans on this one. But the Cats did a good job of holding off the press for that last uh, 73 seconds. They were in great shape, actually, until the very last 10 seconds when Victor Arvidsson took a pass on the wing and and the Panthers got caught flat-footed on the blue line. And thankfully, Arvidsson bobbled the puck. And it drifted harmlessly into the corner, and Cats won. They won despite what felt like their best efforts to lose this game. So they held on. 40 minutes was good, but the last 20 minutes, a little dicey. Not exactly what you want to see from the team, but it's all right. Main takeaways from this one, Mason Marchman had a really noticeable game, probably his best game of the season up to this point. His line along with Louis Starn and Nachari got a couple of bad matchups, so they got caught on Predators' goals, but, you know, not a lot of experience on that line, so there's going to be nights like this where they have they have games where Defensively, they don't, they don't match up well with the team, and you'll, they pay for it. This is what it was. And they got to play better defense with a three-goal lead in the third period. Too many lapses. They got too lazy. They didn't take Nashville seriously enough. I mean, every NHL team is, after all, an NHL team. They're filled with professionals and guys who can skate and play. So you can't just stop playing and stop trying and expect to hold on to victory. But overall, decent win for the team, and nice to get back in the win column after a disappointing loss against Carolina. Next game was an afternoon one, also in Nashville. A little afternoon delight with the 2 p.m. Eastern start in this one. And Nashville picked up right where they left off on Thursday. They they came out ready to play. Um, Panthers 2018 first-round draft pick, Grigori uh, Denisenko was in the lineup for his first-ever NHL game in this one, and he was probably hoping for a bit of a better start as he took a, a weak, bit of a weak penalty in the neutral zone just f- over five minutes into his NHL career. And Preds capitalized. Screenshot in front of Bob, and it beat him glove side. And Cats only had first one shot in the first 10 minutes of this game. 
I think this is the slowest start of the season for them. Nashville absolutely dominated them from the start on this one. But as the period progressed, as the period progressed, the Cats kind of start to, started to loosen up a bit, warm up, so to speak, and, and find their game. Just as time is dwindling down in the first, Ekblad corrals a puck in the neutral zone, steps into the zone, and pulls a nice little toe drag on Predators captain Roman Yossi. Beats Rene top shelf with just over 13 seconds left in the period to tie it. That's nine goals now for Ekblad in the season. He's really finding his offensive game this year. He's having a career year offensively, and it's nice to see him finally get some recognition around the league. It's not just us Panthers fans and, and local writers talking about him. It's The league is talking about him, and he's, he's having a, a Norris-caliber uh, season right now. You know, unfortunately, the Norris is sometimes heavily skewed with offensive statistics, but I digress. Nice to see from Ekblad. Team came out much better in the second. That Ekblad goal seemed to really energize him in this one. Huberto scored with a minute fifteen or a minute fifteen into the period after a nice little breakout pass from Hornquist for a breakaway. Huberto outweighed Rene on this play and pulled a really slick little move in the space of a phone booth to get this goal past Rene. And the Preds were quiet for most of this period. Panthers kept them to the outside on a lot of their chances. I think the Panthers could have done a better job utilizing their speed to try and break. Th- Sorry, the, the Predators could have done a better job utilizing their speed to get through the Panthers' defense. As I've mentioned before, they have uh, the Panthers struggle with speed off the wing, but Predators just didn't seem to get much going. Um, but credit to the Cats for for the defensive game they played. Mister Cookie, as he's as he's often referred to, Nolachari finally scores his first of the season on a two-on-one with Yuho Lamico. Nola chose to shoot, and he just ripped it top shelf past Renee's glove. Uh, you could see the jubilation and relief on his face after he finally got that one in. He, he's been playing pretty decently this year, but wasn't getting rewarded on the, on the score sheet, sheet, so nice for him to get that one and finally get that proverbial monkey off his back. And wasn't long after he, he got his second of the season. Um, Yandel shot the puck in onto, uh, onto Rene from the neutral zone. Big old rebound came out maybe 15, 10, 15 feet in front of Rene. Chari got through the zone. Was the only one in there. Grabs a puck. Deke's backhand. Pots the second. Panthers started the third with a 4-1 lead. And you really wanted to see a strong defensive effort from the team to close out this game after Thursday night's near debacle. So it was, you know, despite the three-goal lead, it, was, it wasn't it was all uh, cherries and sunshine for the team going into that period. A lot of us were, <laughs> were a little worried. And, of course, the Preds scored 19 seconds into the third. Just to solidify and stamp home that frust- that uh, that fear, right? If you listen closely, you could hear the entire collective of Panthers fans say out loud, "Here we go again." Pred started really pressing, but Bob stood tall on this one, and they played some good perimeter defense around him, and and Preds couldn't get much going in terms of getting the puck to the slot for some high danger chances against Bobrovsky. Uh, with just over five minutes left. Barkov stole the puck from Granlin. And on it was honestly one of the nastiest stick lifts I've ever seen him in my life. I don't even think Granlin knew he was there. He stick lifted him so hard that Granlin fell over, slid into Rene and knocked him over. Vetrano got the puck off of a pass from from Barkov and ripped it blocker side for his fourth goal in six games. The look on Vetrano's face after scoring that goal as he stared down Barkov was absolutely priceless. It was a really greasy stick lift, honestly. 
Cats got a late power play. Coach Q puts Achari out there. And wouldn't you know it, Mr. Hattrick himself gets another one. Third of the game off a rebound. That was the last one of the night. Panthers win 6-2. And main takeaways, despite the convincing victory, the team still needs to work on its starts. They need to step up and be ready at the drop of the puck. Nashville came out swinging. And honestly, if they were a better team, the Panthers would have likely been in worse, worse shape after those first 10 minutes. And Gustav Forsling, his, state, his skating and confidence with the puck is such a valuable piece to have on the back end. He's, he's responsible defensively and has a great stick, often breaking up plays with, that, with a stick in the lane, which is you love to see from a defenseman because you're going to have odd man rushes, and if he can read passes and intercept those, those pucks, very valuable tool to have. He's been a great addition to this team's defensive core, and I, I cannot believe that he was a waiver pickup for this team. Honestly, great addition by Zito. Love Gustav Forsling. Adds a real dynamic to the back end. Next game at Carolina. Painfully slow start in this one. Typical Sunday afternoon start. Combine that with two teams that have seen each other a ton recently. It was a perfect recipe for a game where the teams combined for four shots at the first 14 minutes of play. Cats got a power play somewhere in there. Didn't really do much with it. Mason Marchman takes his first career penalty, and the Canes make it look easy. For what feels like the 20th time this season, the Panthers leave Mr. Mr. Hurricane himself, Vincent Trocek, all alone on the side of the net to do whatever he wants with the puck. This was child's play for him. Really frustrating to see. Would have been nice to see Drieger make a save there, but Tro was left wide open. It's not even much you can do. It's uh, it's annoying as hell to watch Trocek score all these goals at will, especially when last year in the Panthers uniform, it looked like he stopped caring. And couldn't give a rat's ass about winning. So it's frustrating. But sometimes a player needs to change the scenery. You can't hold on to things like that for long. But him burning us this year is is tough. Marchwood takes another penalty. And not long after, the Cats kill it. But And Trocek takes one of his own. 4-4. Four four. Cats got some chances to start the second. Sorry, the Carolina Hurricanes got some chances to start the second. One of them, they got through the neutral zone with speed. Niederreiter takes a pass on the wing and beats Drieger. 2-1, 2 nothing lead. Another goal created by acceleration through the neutral zone on the wing that the Panthers cannot adjust for creates a great opportunity for the opposition to score. This is their kryptonite this season, honestly. they A lot of goals have happened this way. If a winger can get space, our defensemen do not pivot properly and do not adjust. And it, 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 it burns... Burns this team often. It's tough. Teams teams know this, I think. They're starting to pay attention to it. It's a little bit more noticeable. But hopefully Coach Q and the staff adjust for it as well. Cats pressed a bit when and Weger scores his second of the season off an Achari faceoff win. Weger just put his head down and absolutely clapped into the shot. Goes five hole on Reimer. Cuts the lead in half. Nice shot by Weger. Cats kept it going. A little bit of pressure. He got another power play late in the second. But we're not doing much. Second unit was doing a lot more uh, on the ice than the first unit was. Uh, Carolina's PK pressure, as mentioned uh, in the game earlier this 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 week against the Hurricanes, they're all over you. They absolutely engulf you defensively when they're penalty killing. And a team like Florida likes space. And the first unit doesn't do the simple things. The first unit does the complicated overpassing Let's find the perfect play. And sometimes that works. But when it's not working, it looks kind of ridiculous out there. And the the second unit got out there and simplifies things. And 
nullified the ticky-tacky passing that we see in the first unit, and they created more chances for themselves just because they were doing the simpler things on the ice. Couldn't score a goal, unfortunately, but they they were doing the simple things to generate chances, which I would like to see more of from the first unit just because of the, you know, the danger that it poses for the opposition. If your first power play unit can adjust like that on the fly, it's another weapon in the in the tool shed, right? Panthers started the third on the back half of the power play, and wouldn't you know it, the Panthers give up two two-on-ones again, and the Canes score on the second one to make it 3-1. to Completely disastrous play from this top unit in this one. Honestly, this was maybe this power play unit's worst game of the season. Really disappointing to see. Team looked exhausted. They just had no energy. Canes get a breakaway, and it's 4-1. This game is done. They just don't have the drive on this one. Five games in eight nights. They traveled last night. Not really surprising at all. Nice little schedule bonus for the Canes in this one. They they got a little advantage, right? Barkov and Huberto combined for a nice play from, to Marchman for a second goal in three games. Kid continues to get himself chances offensively and is rewarded with the ice time with Barkov and Huberto, but it was a little too, li- too little too late. Cats pulled the goalie, generated some chances, but can't put one home. It's just a tough game. Carolina's a good team, and they didn't show up ready to play. That's all it was. That's my main takeaway from that one. Next game was in Columbus a couple days later. Cats came out skating hard. Had a couple of really good quality chances. Couldn't convert. Barkov collides with Boone Jenner in the offensive zone. Just a little incidental contact. Nothing malicious, but Barkov took the brunt of it to his face and ran into Je- when he ran into Jenner's shoulder. Went down real hard. Got up, played another shift in the power play where he missed a wide open net. And then went back to the locker room for a concussion protocol. Can't lose a guy like Barkey, but he was back not long after, so nice to see. Yuho Lamico scores his third of the season on the backhand. Nice little deceptive play. He scored another goal like this earlier in the year against Carolina. First first of, the, of his career. A little deceptive backhand play. Backhands are hard to read for goaltenders. A wrist shot is much easier to, to read the trajectory. A backhand has no way of predicting where it's going to go, so... You're trying to cover more of the net when you're seeing a backhand come. So oftentimes goalies will leave that five hole exposed because it's not the first thing you think of. You think of your glove sides or whatever, right? So nice little goal for Yuho. And then Columbus started pressing. They they seemed to get what I believe was the next 10 shots and a lot of odd man rushes. Bob shut the door over and over again. And uh, at one point, Uyghur got a great stick in there and saved a goal. Panthers swung some special, some pressure back in their favor before the period ended, but couldn't quite get it done to pad the lead. Uh, early power play in the second for the Cats, and Hornquist doing what he does, stands in front of that, deflects a shot from Ekblad. I feel like I've said that a million times already this season, but I guess it's just been 10 because that's his 10th of the season, but also team-leading sixth power play goal. Again, the power play unit is Patrick Hornquist. They run through him. These goals are created because of his net presence and the ability for our perimeter guys to make space, get the shots through, and allow Hornquist to be in a further position for success. Jackets come back three minutes later, though. Cut the lead to one. Michael Delzato gets the goal. He's had a really nice season for Columbus after being a training camp tryout. He really has had no business being as good as he's been and averaging top four minutes on a strong defensive team. So 
nice to see a player find a home when you think that maybe their career was on the tail end of being done, you know? So good for Delzato finding a home with Columbus. Panthers continue to get some quality chances on Corpusello, but my goodness, he made some big saves. It's power play late for the catch. They weren't generating much on the first unit, but Tippett, Mr. Owen Tippett. He did not tip it. He wristed it. Right past Corpusalo. Marshman pulling the old Hornquist with the screen in front. Cats go up 3-1 for Auden Owens' uh, second of the season. Forsling finally got his first point of the season in this one after being all over the ice for the last few games. I feel like there was, a, you know, every game he played, there was one chance where he was on an odd man rush or broke through some defense and created a chance for himself. So nice to see him get something on the scoreboard in this one. Third period, mostly Blue Jackets. Cats got a couple of chances, including of a Toronto breakaway. But again, Corpusolo was up to the task. Bjorkstrand cut the lead in half midway through the period, and the Cat and the Jackets kept pressing. But Bob, Bob stepped up, makes some key saves in this one, especially down the stretch in the third period. Columbus was really pressuring, and the Cats struggled defensively. But Bob was there. Bob was there to answer the call. They killed it. Verhage got a empty netter. Just his second goal in the last 15 games, but nice to see him get on the score sheet. Again, big win for the Cats. Main takeaways, Bob was absolutely spectacular. Made a number of great saves. Panthers defense was asleep many times in this one. Jackets did miss a couple of wide open nets, but none of those chances were due to Bob's misplay. He came up big when needed. Made a ton of great saves, especially, like I said, down the stretch. Last few minutes when the team needed to hold on to that lead, Bob was there. And Mason Marchman had a shot on the first line with Verhege and Barkov and did not look out of place in this one at all. He's got a big, lanky body and with surprisingly soft hands. Uh, I love this kid's game. I really do. I think if he can continue this trajectory, he's got a nice long career in the NHL as an undrafted player. So a little bit of a success story there for him so far. It's back-to-back games for Panthers in Columbus. So... uh, in the second game on Thursday, it was more of a careful start by both teams. A couple of chances on both sides, but not much doing. Marshman had a really nice back check on a two-on-one to save a goal. Got back, hustled back really hard and uh, interfered with the Columbus player. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, but re- definitely prevent- prevented a goal, 100%. A couple of odd man rushes given up in the first, but the team hustled very well to get back multiple times. Flurry of chances a few times, but they just couldn't bang one home. Barkov passed on a two-on-one where he was basically alone on a breakaway. You know, we've seen this happen a few times with Barky. Really want to see him shoot that puck more often. And this looked like he had a clear path to the net. And he still chose to force a pass to Verhage that just had a very low probability of being successful. He was in already a, he was already himself in a much better shooting position than Verhage was. So he had the higher percentage chance. You want to see him take it. Good penalty kill to uh, start the second for the Cats, and the, but the team continued to give up odd man rushes. Jackets capitalized on a pinch by Yandel. Lomberg misplayed it as well as he didn't cover for Yandel. He did not uh, read the play, and Jackets go up one nothing. Panthers continued to struggle anything offense to generate anything offensively, and the Jackets were pretty suffocating at this point. All over the Panthers, they couldn't get much going. Neutral zone was clogged. It was one and done in the in the offensive zone. If they did get through, not a lot of action. Jackets go up 2-0 when a bunch of missed assignments allowed Bjorkstrand to get his second of the period. This is where Coach Q changes the lines up. 
Panthers get some pressure from the new Verhage Wenberg Hornquist line. Forsling takes a wrister from the point, and wouldn't you know, Hornquist is there once again, tipping it past Elvis Merzlikens for his 11th goal now of the season. Cats cut the lead to one. Early penalty in third by Wenberg, though. Line is left wide open twice on the power play. Cats, again, just did not have their heads on the swivel during this penalty kill. Did not keep their feet moving. And, you know, Patrick Line, although he struggled offensively going into this game, he's still one of the best shooters, pure shooters in the league. Leaving him wide open on his off wing twice within 15 seconds is not a good thing. Not a good thing. And he made them pay. Jackets go up 3-1. Another 2-on-1 given up by the Panthers. Domi slides it in on a weird play. Jackets are up 4-1. This one seems to be all over. They're not getting energy. They're not playing in the game. They don't seem involved. They don't seem as interested. Just seems like one of those nights. But don't count these cats out. Ryan Lomberg gets a rush with a Chari. Noel gets the shot off. Puck flies into the air. And Ryan Lomberg bats the puck out of the air. Midair. First career NHL goal. Very excited for him. Very nice to see. Nice, pretty nice goal for your first of his for your first of your career as well. Pretty impressive. Now this kind of kickstarted some things for the Panthers. Started to sustain some some pressure. They got a power play. They didn't score on the power play, unfortunately, but the pressure was there. And then, Mr. Owen Tippett, once again, second in as many games, rips it past Elvis, glove side off the goalpost. A howitzer of a shot. A hole zinger, as uh, my friend and I have referred to it over the years. Uh, former NHL player Brian Holzinger. I always felt like that was a great, great name for a, a laser shot. So the old Holzinger by Owen Tippett to cut the lead to one or cut the lead in half. Sorry. No, wait, that is cutting the lead to one. That's a four, three game at that point. More pressure from the Panthers. They continue to sustain pressure. They were all over them. This was that Jekyll and Hyde thing again, completely took off their masks and were a completely, a a totally different team. Another power play. This time they make it count. Barkov scores his ninth of the season off of a beautiful little passing play by he, Yandel and Huberdeau. They've come back from being down 4-1 to one with three goals in eight minutes to tie it. And honestly, you weren't going to take this game away from the Cats. They got to OT and they absolutely dominated. Chance after chance after chance after chance. Felt like CB, it felt like it might be one of those games where CBJ comes back with just that one opportunity and they finish it off, especially given how many two-on-ones they gave up in this game. But the Panthers got a two-on-one of their own and Huberto makes the best pass in hockey. Shoots it. Elvis makes a save. Vitrano's right there. Pops it back in. Second OT winner of the season for him. Cats win. What a comeback for the cardiac comeback Cats. Amazing. This game was... It felt... It felt like it was done. There wasn't a lot of energy, but my goodness. They found it. They found it again. My main takeaways from this one... I know I called the last episode uh, of Project Panthers Resilience... But maybe I should have saved it for this one because, my goodness, what a comeback again by this squad. They really took over in the third period after that Lomberg goal. Extremely impressive performance from them. They basically won this game playing 10, sorry, 15 minutes of hockey. That's that's what good teams do. That is what good teams do. And Ryan Lomberg was the catalyst for this one. The excitement and jubilation and, and 
just uh, it was it's infectious. That kind of thing is infectious for a team. And it's great to see him get that goal and have the team rally around that. Everyone looked so elated for him. And you know that was a rallying point to energize that bench and light a fire under everyone's ass. Love to see it. Final game of the week for the Panthers. Home stretch here. It was Keith Yandel night on Saturday as uh, the team celebrates Keith Yandel playing his 1,000th NHL career game. So because of that, it's a bit of a late start for this one. Teams exchanged some chances early on. Bobrovsky absolutely robbed Patty Kane on the power play with a great pad save. Boom! It thumped throughout the entire arena. It was a loud pad save that he made emphatically. Um, But this was another slow start for the Panthers. But I give them a bit of a mulligan on this one. It's a bit expected when there's some celebrations before the game. Often your mind is focused on that, unless so with the game coming up. You know, the other team doesn't have as much of a distraction, so they're a little more focused. It's easy to get caught start starting slow. Panthers give up two on one in the second. Yandel gets caught pinching early in the period, and the Hawks made a count. Went up one nothing, 32 seconds in on a Hegel goal. Less than a minute later, though, Bob makes another huge save on an Alex Debrinkat breakaway. Panthers took a power play not long after that Hawks' first goal. Debrinkat got in all alone on the on a, on a, on one on one on Bob, but Bob made a huge save. I think this was the uh, game saving play by Bob. And then not long after, Radko Gudas threw a massive hit that really changed the tide. It rocked the whole damn building, and that felt like that combined with the. The, bar, the Bob save was a turning point for this team. Uh, Anthony Duclair, despite was supposed to be only a week out of the lineup, was finally back in the lineup in this one, and uh, he made his presence felt right away. He was reunited on that top line that we saw earlier in the season with Verhage and Barkov, and he sets up Barkov with a nice back-and-forth play for Barkov's goal to tie it up. Verhage then one times a rebound shot past Lankin, and not long after, Barkov ties it up. It's Carter's second in, in uh, as many games and third in six games after going quite a stretch with only potting a few goals. Two and 15 it was. So good to see him finally finding some offense again. Knew it would come for him. He hasn't exactly been invisible throughout this period of, of uh, goalless drought. A couple of games you could say, oh, where's Carter? But he's been getting chances. He's still present. He's got really good ice vision, really his hockey smarts are above average. So he's always going to be in situations where he cre- can create offense and an opportunity for himself. So nice to see him get rewarded again. And less than two minutes after that, Owen Tippett grabs a puck behind the net, backhands it in front of it, and what do you know? It's Frankie V again, baby. Scores his 10th of the season and 6th goal in 9 games. So quite a little run for Frankie V. Couldn't have come at a better time. Hawks added a late goal in this one from Bockfist, but it was too little too late. Panthers hold on for the convincing 4-2 victory. Main takeaway from this one, how many times can I talk about Bob? I mean, his GAA is now under 3. since at 2.95. Finally under 3 for what feels like the first time in his career as a Panther. And that same save percentage is climbing slowly as well. Now at 9.05. He's played incredibly well over the last few weeks. And he's finally starting to look like that goaltender that Dale Talon signed for 10 years. For seven years and $10 million a year. It's good to see him finally find his game and, and turn it around. 
And this was a great win by this team. Chicago is not very far behind them in the standings. So this was a big one. You want to you want to spread that gap between you and Chicago in the standings. And this had all the makings of a disaster game, of a trap game. You're coming back from a road trip, first game back from a road trip, often very hard to get going. Combine that with the Yandel celebration before the game. You thought it was a loss, but nope, nope, nope. Not this team. They stepped up huge. That second period was all Panthers, and after that big Bob save, and they just marched on to a convincing victory. So great to see, and great great couple weeks from this team. Really turned it around after a bit of a dry spell there where things looked like they were kind of struggling against Dallas and Carolina. Really, uh, really good turnaround. And, you know, a lot of us were talking at that time if that's the Panthers at their worst, then we're in good shape. And honestly, it may have seemed it may have seemed like that was the Panthers at their worst. So, really good to see. And now we're going to move on to two points. That's right, two points. The world famous segment of Project Panthers. Two points in the NHL. You want to make the playoffs, but in order to make the playoffs, you got to get those two points at the end of the game. It's all that matters. So here we are, two points. Back at it again. Two points. Two points. Two points. Ah. First point, Owen Tippett. His progress is very obvious on the ice. Scored two huge goals against Columbus this week. Since that first snipe on Tuesday, he looks like a completely changed player. Panthers beat writer David Dwork asked Tippett after that game if he started feeling more comfortable on the ice after scoring his second of the year. And Tippett humbly replied, I wouldn't say comfortable, but I'm definitely starting to play like my game is coming back. Now that's just music to my ears. The kid has so much talent, and we've seen flashes of it this season. But you can tell he's been thinking the game a bit too hard and needs to just slow it down and play the game that he knows. Is this a clear turning point for Tippett? Maybe not. He's young, and there will be growing pains. It's natural. But there are now positive signs in his game that maybe weren't so obvious a few weeks ago. These things will always take time, but it finally feels like Tippett is putting it together and will eventually find his way to becoming an everyday NHLer. Three points in his last three games, including scoring and setting up one game, a game winner in each of them. So, or in two of those three. And point number two, Keith Yandel's 1,000th game. I've been a harsh critic of Yandel in the past. I really have. I don't think he offers a lot of help defensively. Last year, he was a bit of a source of frustration. A big source of frustration, actually. I'm not going to downplay that. When a team struggles defensively, your worst defensive players often stand out the most. This year's team is much more responsible defensively. And because of that, Yandel's mistakes aren't quite as glaring or detrimental. But my point is not about on-ice statistics right now. My point is about how amped all the boys seem to be for Yandel celebrating his 1,000th NHL game. If you looked on social media, picture after picture of, of celebratory items like the team had 1,000 Yandel jerseys on for the warm-up that Barkov and others wore with the number 1,000 on the back and Yandel's, Yandel's name they had custom t-shirts made for everyone to rock pre and post game and the video messages from teammates past and present really reminded me of something I'm, I've mentioned on this podcast often and that's the human element of hockey the stuff does not sh- the stuff that doesn't show up on the on the stat sheet and Yandel is 
clearly one of the most well-liked guys in the NHL, and his teammates just adore him. He even makes it possible for Android Barkov to show some emotion when he talks about Yans. These things are important to remember, as they don't show up on the statute, as I said, and, and they can do a lot to help galvanize your locker room and bring your team together. So congrats to Yandel on hitting such an impressive milestone. Uh, it's now time to move on to letter time. It's letter time. It's letter time. Remember, you can send your questions to Project Panthers at projectpantherspot at gmail.com. Uh, this week's question comes from Kelly in Green Acres, Florida. Kelly asks, what is the ceiling for the Florida Panthers this season? Well, Kelly, first of all, thanks so much for your question. Appreciate you listening and, and sending in a question. Honestly, this is a weird year. It's pandemic hockey, 56-game season. Our division is very top-heavy. Carolina, Tampa, and Florida are three of the best teams in the league, not just the division. But I think the sky is the limit for this team. I think that are they true cup contenders? It's tough to say. I don't know if they have the the depth up front as the current rate now to make a full push in the playoffs. But I think this team may finally win a playoff series this year. Not a guarantee because the matchup in the first round could very well be Carolina or Tampa Bay, depending on where things line up. It's not going to be easy. Even Chicago, who seems to be the front runner for the fourth spot in the division, not going to be easy to beat. So there's no guarantees, but I think this is this is a year unlike any other for the Panthers. And their best start it's tied for their best start through twenty seven games in NHL history. Their last one was ninety six ninety seven, which was the year before they won their last the year after they won their last playoff series. They lost that year in the first round to the Rangers after a pretty impressive regular season. Really, I don't I don't know if anyone is expecting this team to win a Stanley Cup right now. They're likely a little bit of ways away. But I think the possibility of finally breaking that playoff drought is is there. So I think the core of this team is definitely Stanley Cup. The core of this team definitely has Stanley Cup potential. We'll see over the next couple of years how that flourishes. Right now, it's impressive. But that's it for me, folks. I am Brunswick. Thank you so much for listening. What a marathon of the show this was, eh? <laughs> Sitting at 45 minutes basically right now. So thanks for sticking around for all of it. Appreciate it. Cats are back in action on Monday versus Chicago. That will be the halfway point of this of this shortened 56-game season for them. Still surreal to think about where they stand after the 27-game mark. But as far as how the rest of the season has gone or has will go... They're only midway through, so can't let the wheels fall off the wagon right now. Got to keep going. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts by searching Project Panthers. You'll find us on Twitter at Proj Panthers. That's P-R-O-J Panthers. On Instagram at Project Panthers Pod. Remember to send your questions into projectpantherspod at gmail.com. I am Brunswick. Thank you once again for joining me. Have a week. <laughs>